Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Tom Christensen and Scott Newman of the New York City Jazz Collective known as The Spin Cycle. They have a new 2016 CD that came out and it's simply called Spin Cycle. They will have a CD release at New York City's very own Smalls on May 6, 2016. This collective led by Tom and Scott with Paul McCann and Phil Palombi came together in 2014, but they are the culmination of decades of playing on their own all over the jazz world. Collectively, they have gigged with the likes of Joe Lovano, Woody Herman, Toshiko Akiyoshi, Maynard Ferguson, Jack McDuff, and the great Lee Konitz. They've been on scores of albums, won Grammys, published numerous books, and been all over the place. So we discuss their lives in jazz and what the world of music today is like versus 30 years ago, along with many more things. So please get to know Spin Cycle and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for joining me today on the show, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, Joe. Absolutely, yeah. And I, you know, when I got this CD sent to me, I read the liner notes, and I love this kind of jazz tapestry all of you guys have played for so long you've merged together you release your album so you've always done what you've done but this is just giving you a little bit more of a i don't know something physical something a little bit more concrete to give to the world which i love these things yeah we you know scott and i have played together a lot um outside of spin cycle he was actually the first gig i did the first year i was in new york at a club uh, uh, it was, it's now defunct called Angry Squire. I had a quartet with Scott in it. So we've been playing together for, you know, 25 years and doing a lot of stuff. And this, we just finally decided to do something together. You know, we, we've also, each of us done a lot of solo projects and collaborated with other people and have different bands. But, um, you know, after hanging out for all these years and doing a lot of other things besides music, you know, together we've uh decided we needed to uh to kind of merge the musical vision a little bit i was gonna say i love the artwork i mean the, the, when i got this oh, in my thanks. hand that's, it just it, it, it that's, pops right out oh thanks we uh we're excited about that too and really happy uh, uh, a dear friend of mine uh, and tom knows her as well F- fanny gotchel she actually is in the business and now working for herself but for a long time she was graphic designer for DECA and worked through, uh, there's a there's a building uh, right in close to Times Square, Worldwide Plaza, that has EMIs in there. I guess DECA is part of EMI, but, you know, she worked for DECA for years, and now she's freelancing, and uh, she's, at the same time, she's freelancing, but she has a nice account. She's working for ECM right now. She's doing a lot. She's not doing... CD design, but she's doing all their advertising design. So any advertising you see in the major jazz publications, Fanny did. And, uh, you know, she was gracious enough to take the time to to work on it. And, you know, I'm glad that that it catches your eye because that's exactly what we wanted to do, Joe. And we, we, you know, we tossed around some ideas for a logo. And then Tom and I are excited that we started our, we went back and forth with going with the label, not going with the label and decided to, to create our own label, and she did the logo for that, which is Sound Footing Records. So, and then she did the graphic design for the CD, and we just think it's she did a great job. So, I'm glad glad it caught your eye. You know, the thing that jumps out at me too is you, you're New York through and through, and this screams New York. That's the cool thing, you know. Um, so, good. Yeah. Good. It's, it's good. good. Yeah. So, no, I feel like a New Yorker now. I've been in New York for almost 30 years. 
even though I still have the Oklahoma accent, I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm more Brooklyn than I am Bartlesville at this point. Yeah. Very nice. Very well. I'm I'm the inverse. My dad was born in Brooklyn, raised on Long Island and Babylon, so he joined the military to come to Kansas City. So that's why I'm a Kansas City guy now. Great man, so, moving in the opposite direction. Yeah, right. Reverse engineering, doing the Benjamin Button. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, the music, you know, the CD is really is really a product of New York and a product of Scott and I both living here for. Well, I've been here for about thirty years too, and you know, the the music that we experience just on a weekly basis is is just uh, you know really diverse and and also you know the, being in New York, we're around all these great players and get to play with them and you know do all these gigs with great top-level musicians, and it really helps to be in New York and sort of fire up the music. To go out in here, we get to go out, you know, on on any given night you want to go out, you can really hear great music of, you know, vast varieties, and it's always inspiring and always, you know, amazing top-notch players. So the education has never stopped, which is, I think, you know, why I, you know, felt like I had to move to New York and Tom probably felt the same way because it's just it's an ongoing you know being being an artist is always an ongoing education no matter where you're at but you know when you're in an environment where you have you know inspiration around you 24 7 and you're either getting a chance to play with these people or or getting to hear their music and so you know all that influence spin cycle and we have a a lot of different kinds of flavors to choose from on one CD. It's really not like a common sonority running through the whole CD. If, if you had a chance to listen to it, it's, you know, a lot of different styles. There's some, some odd time funk tunes and there's some medium swingers and modal burn kind of things. And then there's a, like even a surfer punk rock tune. So, you know, we have fun with that. We kind of wanted something that wasn't just going to be one common thread of, sonority and mood to it we wanted it to be kind of playful and 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 varied now, ironically the guy from bartlesville oklahoma is the one who wrote the surfer tune oh wow very cool that's awesome yeah, not the californian yeah, not but the not oklahoman or not you know the okie no babylon jones beach there <laughs> <laughs> life is stranger than fiction that's for sure um, i'll say yeah you know and i was going to add to that you know kansas city had a payday at one point but Universally, for the history of our minds that we've dealt with jazz, New York's the best place on the entire planet to be. I hear nothing but just the annoy. I couldn't imagine spending a week doing nothing but going to see jazz in New York. It would only scratch the very minute surface of what is possible, but it would be amazing, I'm sure. It is amazing, you know, and you can you can really hear all kinds of stuff with you know from straight ahead hard bop to great big bands to world infused music to uh you know a lot of mixed meter you know things are drawing more from contemporary classical music it's just there's so many people who are you know into so many different things that it's really and they're all really great at what they do that it's always inspiring so yes you know you can come up and and just you could go non-stop every night you could go the, you know the beautiful thing about the city too is everything's in close proximity so it's just a quick 
subway ride or walk. It's such a great city to walk in, too. You can quickly walk to another club and catch the next set somewhere else. So you can easily hear three different things in one night if you're, you know, if you time them right, you know, even more if you stay up later than I stay up these days. It New York also influenced uh, the people that Scott and I were able to choose for uh, for the band, you know, like there's a lot of guys in New York and a lot of really great players, and that's one of the big pluses is that, you know, you're always surrounded by, you know, guys that can really play. And so we were able to pick, um, you know, Phil Palumbi and Pete McCann, at, you know, out of a big bunch of guys and say, here's two guys that really do, like, some special stuff and do things in a way that we really feel is important for the band. So, you know, the way Phil and Scott play together with bass and drums and where they both have a really solid, firm feel and, and uh, you know, Pete's, all Pete's pyrotechnics and his effects and everything that he does, they were just like, you know, when Scott and I were talking, like, about the musicians, you know, these two guys really were like, wow, you know, we're, we didn't have a, a we didn't have a, a, a only a small pool to choose from. We could choose from guys who did exactly what we felt was needed for the band. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we in in mind we easily had four or five players on each instrument who were similar to what Phil and Pete could bring to the band. But they at at this point and and with our idea of what we wanted to do with the group, Phil and Pete resonated the most with us. But and we're also, you know, they're not to mention that we like them as people and they're really great guys and easy to get get along with and and they know the business. They're band leaders as well and have their own recordings out and are touring and traveling and recording and they're side men with, with other bands and projects as well. We and we've known Pete and Phil both for over twenty five years as well. So Phil for twenty five and Pete for me almost, you know, thirty four years or something I've known Pete McCann. So Wow, that's right. You guys went to North Texas, didn't you? We did, yeah. We went to to North Texas together. It's gonna be a real nice evening, May sixth at Smalls to kinda come together and do a CD release. How do you feel about it? Work. I love playing at Smalls, man. It's it's really Smalls is is my favorite club to play at and to to hear music at. It's a small club. It's really a hip club. It's got great music and sessions. And Spike uh, Wilner, the guy who and Mitch, the guys who run it, are, are great and they treat musicians great. So I, I mean, I can't think of a better place to to have a CD release. In fact, I think I'm going to be down there probably tomorrow night checking out some music and I, I mean I just love it and I it's going to be great we're excited to get the music out there you know and um you know announce the the CD and and also we're preparing for a little tour that we're doing up to uh the Rochester Jazz Festival and uh Canada up to Toronto uh and of uh, Kingston I think to do uh some gigs uh, up there yeah, so yeah Waterloo Kitchener the jazz Kitchener, room in right. Waterloo Right on. We have a little. We have a little mini tour in June. You know, we're trying to add some extra dates too at this point. But we at least have three dates at Rochester for festival, and then um, that's on uh, for anybody who's interested. That's on Rochester festivals on June twenty seventh, uh, Sunday the twenty sixth. We're at the Rack playing about seven o'clock. We're we're playing before yeah. Metalwood, which is we have some buddies in Chris Terry and Ian Froman, and they're uh, an old. Canadian jam band, so we're we're playing before them at the Rex on Sunday the 26th, and then Saturday the 25th we're at the Jazz Room at I believe 8:30 p.m. and um, 
that's a really cool venue that's in Waterloo, Kitchener, Ontario, about, I guess, about an hour, hour and a half west of Toronto. Yeah, yeah we're looking forward to, to having that as something else to look forward to just a month later after the CD release, more or less. But Smalls is a great club. It's a real, really about listening. There's no clinking of silverware going on at this place. It's, you know, it's like the Vanguard. It's a subterranean there's a few subterranean clubs like that in New York, and and you know we love Smalls just because of the vibe. And Spike and Mitch have really, you know, they've really done a great job in like branching it out in a lot of ways from a musical standpoint. It's it's really diverse, uh, lots of different types of contemporary improvisational music going on there now on a nightly basis, and then. They opened across the street uh, a really cool, sadly for me, no drums room, but it's uh, largely duos or solo piano. So, and that's called Mesro, and that's on the other side of 7th Avenue on 10th Street. It's a really beautiful little club, too, that's down below street level. So we're we're definitely excited to have the CD release at Smalls. I've, I've known Mitch along. I mean, I've known, I've known Mitch, but I've known Spike and played with Spike through the years, too. So he's an old bud. So... It's great that he extended the venue to us, too, because we're glad to do the release there. So, you know, when the the fan that's getting ready to see your show comes across the name Spin Cycle, and if they do any research at all, they're going to know that you guys have decades of experience collectively. You all have played with the likes of Joe Lovano, Woody Herman, Jack McDuff, Lee Konitz, and you won Grammys, you published books, you've been all over the place. But what is it about your band that the fans may not know? What's, what what would be some interesting things for folks to realize that are either going to see you live or are going to get ready to see you as a band, as a collective? Hmm. Great question. I would say the one thing you're going to see from us and hear from us right now in this incarnation, a lot of different styles when you go to hear the band. You're going to hear Tom and I do not, not uh, acknowledge our age. And I think we're a little older than Pete and Phil by just a little bit. But, you know, you're going to hear the, the like, post-hard-bop tradition of where we came from. You're going to hear the influences of Miles Davis and Joe Henderson. And then you're going to hear our rock and funk influences from having grown up in the 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, we were in college in the 80s, but we were listening to Spin Insides and listening to records from, I was, from the late 60s on. So, the thing you're going to hear from in this incarnation spin cycle is a what we like to think is an enjoyable mix of music that is some of it's going to be complex and maybe a little more dense and then you're going to hear some stuff that's very tune-like and funky and it might be in a mixed meter but it's hopefully going to be fun to listen to and grab a hold of from emotional level you know and then you know obviously there's going to be a lot of playing and blowing and improvising going across all of that, you know. But uh, I think that the listener will, you know, that's what they're going to take away from the set is that it's not going to be all one, you know. I, we Tom and I have both done records and, and led projects where it's been more one stream of mood or stream of sonority. And with, with especially with Pete and the band, this band, we can rock out one tune, we can, you know, we can swing it hard and, you know, keep it in kind of a the tradition that I was talking about Tom and I coming out of. And it's a varied uh, listening experience, I think. And that's what we're hoping. We're hoping people enjoy it and, and pick up on the joy that we have playing the music, too, you know. 
Yeah, I think also a, a, a thing that, that might not be apparent at first is that, you know, the band is co-led by Scott and I, um, which means, you know, we're we're booking the gigs, we're taking care of the finances, we're, you know, we're, we're producing the CDs and all that. But really, like, on the bandstand, it's four equal guys. And, you know, we played with Pete and Phil so long that, like, there's not one person on the bandstand that's calling the shots. You know, if Pete says we're doing this or we're doing that, then we're doing it, you know, and they do it with, you know, as four equal people. So, you know, the input from the guys in the band and the musical direction once we're playing uh, is really like there. there's no one guy who's or two guys even that are saying we're doing this, we're doing that, you know, it's, it's really a cooperative in, in in a musical sense, you know. I mean, the business end is is different, but the musical end of it is is really cooperative. And maybe that might not be apparent just looking at the band. You know, people like to think, well, you know, they always come up to the saxophone player and think he's the leader, no matter what, <laughs> you know, because you're standing in front. But that's not at all true musically in this sense. You know, when you all get together and play, what do you look forward to the most? Or let me ask you this when you leave what's the best part of the experience that you all share together uh the gigs man i i mean you know when we rehearse we just rehearse like the the melodies and maybe somebody blows a chorus you know and and it's sort of a technical rehearsal you know we we just kind of get the tunes together and make sure everybody understands the forms and what might happen but for me the real fun is when you know suddenly that music comes alive and it, and it, it it seems uh you know, it seems to breathe and go places that you're that you're not sure of, and 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 for me, like playing with these three guys is really relaxing and comfortable. I don't, you know, I don't feel a concern about you know anything. You know, I mean, with with some, with people younger than you, you might feel concerned they're not going to you know pull their weight, and that's not at all the case here. And maybe people uh, more experienced, you you know, you're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm. You know, I want to impress this guy or whatever, but these guys, it just feels like old buddies, like, getting together and playing, which is, in fact, is what it is, you know. And so that feeling of just playing with these guys on a gig, for me, is what I, l I look forward to the most. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, there's no egos here in the band that, you know, everybody's competent and there's a high level of trust and a, a high level of of carefreeness too because we're old friends that that makes it really enjoyable and then the other enjoyable aspect of course is when we you know when we can not only enjoy playing this music then when the people can come up to us after the set and it'll be like oh i really liked you know it, and what what i always like is when somebody comes up and gives a specific moment from from a set of music for any time that you're playing it's then you know people are really listening when they're like oh i really liked they, you know, it might even be like, I really liked what you did behind the bass solo, or I really liked that one tune, or I liked, you know, I loved that person's solo in this. You know, then you know the listeners listening, and you know you got them, you know, and if they were attentive and listening, and, and, and more than anything, enjoying it. You know, there's that is the ultimate, as much as it, how great it is to play, and the spiritual release that we get as artists from playing music and especially this music which is always Im improvisational and in the moment a lot of the times the biggest reward and, and the most important thing still is to make sure that your art is getting out and not to use the word resonating but again but resonating with the listener and the people and that and that 
you are reaching them on an emotional level on what, you know, even if it's they don't like it, you know, that you're reaching them on an emotional level because that's the other part of it that's that it's all about. So let me ask you this. You've been in the music business for a long time, decades. You, in the beginning, you saw a lot of things that changed over time. So collectively, as you've lived your jazz career, what has surprised you the most about what's changed in the world of music and as you see it now versus when you started out? Uh, you know, I, for me, the, the whole apprenticeship system is now really is not as prevalent as it was. So, like, you know, in, when I was coming up in the 70s, 80s, there were still bands and, you know, that were traveling around and doing things. I mean, Art Blakey had a band, Horace Silver had a band, Woody Herman, uh, all these, you know, all these bands were touring and playing all the time. And that is much rarer these days. And so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people building careers without actually having played with a lot of the masters or had that like first, you know, or, or hands-on, you know, one-on-one -on -one contact with them. So, you know, I think that's changed, although there's still, you know, there's still bands and there's still people doing that. But like the idea that, well, first you play with somebody and then you go out on your own is has changed a lot. And then another another thing that's changed is the whole idea of a record label and, you know, the, the idea that, you know, you, you make your music and you, you make it for a label and you're associated with a label. And that I've seen really change a lot, you know to where some labels are like cooperatives where, you know, everybody sort of works together to produce records and concerts and things. And, and other labels are sort of pay-to-play things where you just, you know, you give them some money and you're on their label and they put it out and handle it. To like a lot of guys doing what we did with Sam Footing Records, which is just, you know, we made our own label. And we we just said we're not, you know, that we didn't see the advantages to going with too many, or we did see the advantages, we just felt like, this was better for us, you know, to do our own label. And I think a lot of people are doing that. And that is a big change that I've That seen. is a big change. I mean, yeah, thinking of your – quickly thinking of what you said from that standpoint, Tom, those are all good points. The thing that's changed, and I was just thinking about when you asked the question from a business distribution side, and though it's kind of come around full circle, is when we grew up, it was vinyl and cassettes. And then the CD came out in the early 80s, and everything went to CD and and was sold that way. And these are all big, huge changes that we've seen go through our, you know, 30 years of being in the business. And then, you know, to all of a sudden, as soon as it went to CD, that then digital downloading was soon to follow and did. And then we got into – now we're into streaming, of course, and now – we're back to vinyl, people enjoying vinyl again and buying vinyl. And we're probably, you know, I'm got to talk Tom about, but I, I would like to press at least a couple hundred uh, LPs of spin cycle just to have, because I think there's going to be people who are going to want to buy, buy vinyl, you know, plus Fanny's artwork is going to look really great on the, oh my on, God, on yeah. the LP. Yeah, but, that's true. You know, that being said, anybody can get your music now any which way. You know, I, but Tom and I both teach, you know, on he teaches on a high on a very high high school level and I teach on a collegiate level some and Tom's done college stuff too, but you know, students and anybody who's computer savvy can get your music now just about for free anywhere. So at some point record deals and those kind of things of record deals back in the day, they were about distribution. And 
And that was a great reason why to go with the label was if they had distribution and you were going to get it in Tower Records or you were going to get it in J&R, Virgin Records. And sadly, those stores are all gone, you know. Yeah. So that has been a huge change in the the music from a non-performance standpoint and from a marketing standpoint that, you know, does make, not and not to give them a plug, but somebody like, you know, a combination of, of like disc makers and CD Baby, you know, through CD Baby, you can basically get all your digital stuff up now to all the, all the retailers, you know, whether, you know, it's going to CD Baby and then they can get it out to Amazon and iTunes or whatever. So, you know, would Tom and I consider going with a, a record label? Sure. You know, if it was, was vastly worth it for us, you know, and, and, uh, from, from some other support wise, but a lot of artists are not doing that these days. And we're also finding that press is responding very openly to it. Whereas press maybe in the past and certain reviewers and critics and radio people would be like, Oh, it's not on a label. It's self-produced. I don't know. To, to where now they're seeing this new paradigm and radio and, and print press is, you know, viewing independent releases completely differently now. I mean, wouldn't, aren't you, Joe? I mean, wouldn't you say you are? Yeah, you know, and I'm to be honest with you, I didn't even look at the label. I don't. I never. If I like it, I like it, and I go with it. I, I try not to get too uh, wrapped up in those kinds of parameters. And it may just because be because I'm not working for a major market radio station. This is more of kind of a mid level and. That's just how I roll. If it sounds good, I'm more worried about the integrity of the music that I play on my show that's consistent with what I find is personal high standards for jazz. And I didn't even look at the label on here. I just, I, I was very impressed with what you offered. I love the story of the collective years together. There's something about that wine that's brought about such a great sound. And um, that, that was my kind of impetus behind this. So let me, let me condense your answers with this last question to this. If you had a beverage from 30 years ago that contained everything that you saw at that point in the world of music and how you approached it, and then you had the beverage from 2016 sit next to it, which one are you going to drink? <laughs> As I'd say now, I like the diversity of what's out there now, and I like the I, – you know, I don't, I'm not – a guy who would look back and say, oh, everything was so much better than, you know what I mean? Yeah. But would I like to go back and hear Art Blakey again or Sonny Stitt like I did growing up? Yeah, that would be great. And there are things missing in music now that aren't there anymore. But, you know, I like the, I like the diversity of it and the energy of it now. Yeah, no, I agree with that. There's We've lost a lot of the older generational band leaders who led bands that gave opportunities to younger players to be able to come and, and hone their skills on, and these bands worked. I mean, that's, that's the, the, I guess the, the side, I would say from a musical standpoint, definitely the, the beverage of today from a standpoint, realistically looking at not only like generational band leaders, leading bands, but also, you know, yes, you can go out and tour still and stuff, but there was, it, maybe it was a touch easier then. there were more, I know certainly with like, you know, the National Endowment for the Arts and certain things for certain bands. There was more grant money available back then. And, you know, I don't know. You know, there is there's sides as it's, you know, there's sides as a general musician from those days where there was 
maybe more work, more live music. It was before the DJ. You know, all the hotels, motels had music on weekends. But that's not a jazz thing. That's a working musician thing. You know, so that's a different. That's a different. That's a different beverage. I definitely would pick the 2016 beverage still now because that's cool. I I like Tom. Don't want to look back. And is it an alcoholic beverage that we're talking about? Oh yeah. Like could it be? Yeah, it's a, it's a gin and tonic. It's whiskey on the rocks. It's good stuff. Then I don't care what it is. It's fine. I'll drink all of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> with some Kansas pro- City barbecue. There you okay. go. With the barbecue. Oh, my God, yes. With Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> that would be the match. Get some gates thrown in there. You know. Oh, my God. that's That would be the way to live right there. Nothing wrong with that. So let's get out of the past. Let's get out of the present. Let me ask you this. What do you guys see as your roadmap to the future? What's the, what's the future looking like for Spin Cycle? Great, we're excited about this. Yeah, I mean, we you know we're in it for the long haul. We we you know we've been in other bands and done our own projects. So you know, I had my last band that I had was lasted for ten years and three CDs and various tours and things. And so, I mean, Scott and I have talked a lot about this. We intend to follow up with another CD in a year, year and a half, maybe. And keep doing that, you know. Um, I think it's important to keep getting the music out there and keep booking it. It's great having two guys working on it. I've never had this experience before, is that it, it's just like, you know, we can one guy can get on booking the gigs and the other guy can get on writing the music and then switch. And, you know, there, there's a lot to do, but it's it's half the work when there's two guys on it. So we, you know, we intend to, to keep going at it. More CDs, you know, more touring and more work. Just to, it's, We have a bunch of leads that we've run into just booking this last tour, so we're going to follow sure. through with those. Yeah, no, there's there's something, I mean, yeah, the most exciting thing is that one thing is Tom and I are in it for the long haul, and we, we definitely want to build on this first CD, and, and, and even as, the, obviously, the music's going to develop, and maybe the, the, obviously the sound of the band is going to develop and change and, and hopefully get more defined even, but all the things Tom just said as far as, you know, we both led stuff ourselves, and we, we both are busy, you know, besides playing other stuff we both are are teachers and also have families so as most artists know there's you don't have enough hours in the day to do all the stuff between keeping your own craft together to to the business side that it's just it's great having and tom and i get along really well that you know we're we're each picking up slack and taking care of uh, stuff off the task list away from each other and it just it's very easy so we're i'm really excited about this from uh you know not only a musical standpoint but just the fact that tom's a great friend and we get along very easily and we when something needs to get done it gets done like it's we'll fire off a text hey did you something's happening with this can you do that or you know so you know the idea is definitely another cd within about a year hopefully year and a half topped and and more music more, and taking it to the people you know so, right on. We're, I'm excited. Right on. This is my final question yeah. for you. So let me throw out a hypothetical here. You guys are at a break at Smalls during the opening, and you're standing outside, and some little philosophical guy comes up to you and looks at you guys and says, who do you think you are? 
Who do you guys think you are? <laughs> well, that would just be a normal day in New York City, you know, some crazy guy walking up to you and, and getting in your face. So I don't know. That's a good question, Joe. Well, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of pretension with the band. Like, I don't think we're it's – a, it's a pretentious band. You know, at – you know, the age – at I'm 54 – I may be the senior member of this band, I just realized. Oh, my God. That's they it. are, Grams. Oh, God. Anyway, that hurts. But anyway. Let me be by half a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at that, at, in, the 50, in our 50s, I don't think anybody's pretending to be anything. I think, you know, we... You know, we you know we are guys who have dedicated our lives to playing music and playing jazz and have long and varied careers and have a certain experience, uh, which leads to you know a certain confidence in what we do. But I think it also leads to humility in that, you know, one great thing about living in New York is that I, I'm always getting like humbled by going out to hear music or playing with people and realizing, man, there's so much more that I have to learn. And I'm sure that like, you know, Scott and Phil and Pete feel the same way. So that, you know, I think it's an unpretentious band. So who we think we are, I don't, you know, I think we probably think that we're just some dudes trying to make music as best we can with the experience that we have, you know? I think, yeah, it's a matter of we're just, we are who we are. We're byproducts of all those years of playing and all the music that we have on, under our belts performance, performing-wise, and also all the music that we've absorbed through listening and, and spectating, you know, whether it be in New York or wherever. So, and I think the idea of, yeah, our age is we're not trying to prove, like, to, even when Tom and I put the band together, we weren't, like, specifically, like, going, exactly let's write tunes that are like this instead tom and i had some tunes and we're like okay these are kind of work this one works let's oh, let's just throw this one in let's put it in there you know and tom and 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 pete and phil are gonna they're gonna they're gonna tear it up or they're gonna bring something to it you know and yeah i don't i think we're a byproduct of if anything spin cycle is a byproduct of of the decades that we that we come from, from our musical performance and, and musical experiences and life experiences. So, I, I yeah, I have to say, since we're all older, I, we aren't playing to prove anything. You know, we, you know, we obviously want the band to, to perform on as high level as possible and us to aesthetically be able to and artistically reach the audience, you know. Other than that, we're spin cycle. Right on. <laughs> That's a perfect way to wrap everything up. Yeah, that, that's the perfect answer right there. Guys, thank you for opening up and giving me your time and, and giving us the music. You bet, Joe. Thanks for being open to hearing about the band and for being interested in it. We, we both really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Tom and Scott of The Spin Cycle for their story, their music, and their humor. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, or you can always visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz. Until we meet again, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.